Hey everyone, it's Twin Teen Tales with Aussie Dad, and today we're going to continue reading The Odd Ones Out, the first sequel. So up to chapter 4. A chapter for everyone. When I'm out at conventions, or, you know, when I'm at the grocery store buying mac and cheese, I meet lots of special people. I wanted to do a chapter just for them. Section 4 People Who Don't Understand Homophones. Now I just want to give you the heads up that's not written like in normal English so if you hear me get a bit tongue-tied that's the reason why. If you do not know what a homophone is I will explain. Homophones are words that when heard sound the same but are not spelt the same and mean different things. What I am saying here is that the English language ran out of words and had to reuse a few. If someone is reading this to you right now then it might seem great but just know that the person who reads this is having a real painful time. If you have no clue how to spell something and your teacher tells you to spell it by sounding it out, ask him about homophones, because if the sounding it out method was a whole lot more accurate or better than guessing, would homophones exist? You see, homophones own, oh, only exist so your teacher has a reason to mark down your papers. Also, so you sound like you have been drinking when you send text messages, you sing, or you, yeah, I think it's meant to say, you send voice to text. To be fair, English spelling never made much sense to begin with. Apparently this next section is for Australians, and the reason why they said that is because the book is now upside down. The rest of the world might not know this, but people in Australia do things a little differently, like calling Burger King Hungry Jacks, or calling everyone mate. I've been to Australia three times, which practically makes me an expert. <laughs> okay. If asked, I can almost always identify if something is a kangaroo or a koala, so I thought I'd dedicate this section to my fans down under. For those of you who aren't experts on Australia, here is a short history lesson. Back in the 18th and 19th centuries, the British wanted to get rid of their prisoners, so they thought out of the box, or out of the continent in this case, and they decided to put their horse thieves and pickpockets on the boat and send them to an island full of spiders. That's what you call a less than auspicuous beginning. Here's a little known fact. England did this same thing when first sending settlers to America. Jamestown, which was named after me, had such a high death rate that people didn't want to make the trip across the pond to live there. One judge told some convicted criminals that they could swing from a noose or go to Jamestown. I believe they chose the noose. However, this doesn't mean that all the people in America and Australia will rob you blind if you step on the continent. It just means that their ancestors would have. Australians are actually very nice people who have cool accents and great ideas about how to barbecue shrimp. And for those who are not from Australia, we don't call it shrimp, we call it prawns here. And they also have some less than great ideas like eating Vegemite, which is the key ingredient of asphalt. Which is not, it's Vegemite is awesome. They have something called fairy bread, which is untoasted bread topped with butter and sprinkles. We call them hundreds and thousands. I'm sorry, Australia, but putting sprinkles on bread does not make it a dessert. But it does. 
However, sprinkles do make for good subscriber milestone markers, so carry on with that. Section for dyslexics. First of all, is it really a good idea to have a Y in the word dyslexia? Haven't we already established that if you're dyslexic, you're not a good speller? So whoever decided to throw Y into the word just made it harder for dyslexics to find out information about their own condition. They're all trying to search for help with dyslexia. Anyway, when I say this is a section for dyslexics, what I really mean is it's a section so that everyone else can see how it feels to be dyslexic. Welcome to the world of spelling that makes no earthly sense and you feel like an idiot during every spelling test. Actually, you feel like an idiot a lot of the time because dyslexia affects all your schoolwork. You expect us to read the paragraph of directions on that math worksheet. No, we're just going to guess what the teacher wants us to do. Some of the time, we'll be right. Section for people who have a virus. Now there isn't much to read in this, but they do have some things that have come up on here. Hot singles in your area. Uh, okay. Get free V-Bucks, free gift cards, lose 50 pounds in two days. If I was actually trying to read this, uh, the only things I could really read is, this is probably the most important chapter in the book. The one where, tell all of my deep secrets, AI secretly, ending... The president erode, a rogue squid, which is why I ask for support. I know that sensitive to never say thing to trigger those dark moments. Section for people with really bad eyesight. Of course, they've got the font massive. Is this better? Can you read this without your glasses? You're welcome. Section for people with really good eyesight. And of course, the font is now really small. If you're one of the lucky people with good eyesight, pat yourself on the back and enjoy seeing all the minutiae, hopefully that is pronounced correctly, in life. Like hair follicles, the edges of leaves, and this writing. I bet you can see every word on an eye chart, can't you? You're like a hawk. Can you imagine if you're one of those pathetic people who had to wear glasses all the time? Fortunately for you, you've been blessed with an amazing pair of eyes and don't have to worry about any old people snooping in this conversation. Well, I do wear glasses, so... But, not to read that. Section for people with really bad eyesight. How did you get this far? Everything's written in caps and very large. Section for people who are colorblind. This isn't going to be a completely normal section. I think colorblind people are not great. I don't love you at all. Just kidding. Don't send me hate mail. The world you see is beautiful even without colors. There are a lot of things in this world that you don't need color to see, like puppies or cookies or rainbows. Oh wait, well, it doesn't matter. Love is colorblind and pink is overrated anyway, as are many YouTubers. You're not missing anything. Section for people who think outside the box. As you go through life, you'll find that some people encourage you to think outside the box, but they don't always like it when you do. When I was in elementary school, the teacher gave the class a worksheet with 
all the months randomly written and she told us to put them in order. I put them in this order. April, August, December, February, January, July, June, March, May, November, October, September. Which you might have guessed is alphabetical order. You would have thought that I would have gotten some credit for that since teachers are frequently telling students to alphabetize stuff. But no, I got a 0% marked in red ink. So this is a section dedicated to all the kids who get zeros on stuff when they deserved more credit. Although, as it turns out, that particular worksheet grade didn't impact my life much, so I really can't complain. Or I can't really complain. Anyway, the point is that people who think outside the box frequently get shot down, and they also go on to found multi-million dollar companies. That said, just because your idea is shot down doesn't mean you'll be the next Bill Gates. Sometimes you just have bad ideas. Section for people who waste printer ink. The whole page is in colour, and that's the reason why that is. Section for lawyers. The contents of this section are not under any oath to make you laugh. However, in the event there is any laughter, the results and proceeds of such laughter shall belong to me. You cannot unread this section. Therefore, upon completion of this section, if ever, you may be required to sign a release indemnifying me and holding me harmless from and against any residual effects of your reading this section, including, without limitation, nausea, diarrhea, or plain disgust. Any markings you make on the page of this section are property of the Odd Ones LLC. Notwithstanding the foregoing, if your markups lack artistic integrity, that is, they stink, I will have the right to assign any such markings to any third party without any further obligation to you, either express or implied. If we ever make a theme park based on this section, we own the rights to it. That's an actual thing, that's in my contracts. Force majeure, droit moral, further instruments. Those are some crazy legal words. Go look them up. The foregoing constitutes the complete understanding between you and the Odd Ones LLC, and it may not be supplemented or amended unless in writing and signed by all parties here too. To the extent there is any inconsistency between the terms of this section and the terms of any other section, the terms of one of the sections shall control. If you hated this section, you waive all rights against me. Sign here. P.S. We own all your money. And if you don't fall into any of the previous categories, here's a section just for you. You didn't think you'd get a section, but you did. This is your section. You're special. I never said it would be a long section. And then it's got a circle thing with a smiley face. Your section. Right, chapter 5. Dog training. During the 2004 presidential election between George W. Bush and John Kerry, my family bought a West Highland Terrier puppy. The puppy was born on election day, so we decided to name her after the winner. The new leader of our nation was going to make history by sharing a name with the best dog in the world. And that's why we named her Bushy. Just kidding. We named her Georgie. 
Georgie was supposed to be a Christmas present for the family, but the breather insisted that we pick up the dog earlier, so what we really got for Christmas was a cute puppy that peed on our Christmas tree and riddled our gifts with teeth marks. The breather told us that dogs liked sleeping in kennels, but Georgie didn't. She saw her kennel as puppy jail and wouldn't set a paw in it. She wanted to sleep on our beds at night. She wasn't potty trained, so this meant we had to either listen to her whine in the kennel or let her sleep with us and keep taking her outside during the night to go to the bathroom. Or third option, I just slept in a slightly damp bed. Hey, I'd done it for eight years. My parents were determined that Georgie was going to be the obedience or the dog who knew how to sit, stay, heal, and tell us if someone fell down a well and needed help. Sure, I've never seen an active well in my entire life, but it's never a bad idea to be extra cautious. We enrolled Georgie in classes at our local PetSmart. I had hoped it would be like real school where all the dogs sat behind desks. A dog teacher would ask the class to turn in their assignments and the dogs would say that their humans ate their homework. But it turned out this wasn't a place where you dropped your pet off picked her up an hour later and she'd be smarter, dog school had only one thing in common with the regular school and that was I was going to have to put in some effort. My twin sister Faith, my mum and I went to the classes with Georgie to learn how to train her into a wonder dog. Little did we know that Westies are notorious for being difficult to train. But hey, there's no instruction manual for raising a dog, so how were we supposed to know that? Actually, there are hundreds. That's how I learned that Westies are difficult to train. On Georgie's first day of school, we realised that she was already a wonder dog, meaning that we all began to wonder what exactly, if anything, was going through her canine mind. Let's just say that on an intelligence test, Georgie would have scored well below dolphins, maybe somewhere around the sea cucumber range. The instructor lady, who was not a dog, but rather a woman, who looked like she had recently left a position as a marine drill sergeant, told us that the first trick our dog should learn was called watch. All we had to do to teach this trick was show our dog a treat. When our dog noticed we were holding little bits of artificially flavoured meat, we held it next to our eye and said, watch. This was designed to get the dog's attention so that every time we said watch, our dog would make eye contact. The instructor brought her fully grown Doberman to the class and showed everyone how well trained he was. Once she said watch, her dog wouldn't break eye contact for anything. She was so proud of this fact, she told everyone to start calling the dog's name to get his attention. I don't remember the Doberman's name, so I'll call him Wiener Schnitzel. Anyway, no matter how much noise the class made, Wiener Schnitzel just stared intently at the instructor. Then Faith made a very convincing meow sound. We had a multitude of cats at home, and she was pretty good at mimicking them. Wiener Schnitzel's head snapped in my sister's direction, breaking eye contact with his master. The instructor, probably feeling a little embarrassed, told my sister, That was a fluke. Just try that little cheat again. The instructor then told her dog, Watch, and Schnitzel stared obediently at her. My sister, 
now a skilled meowist, did another kitten impersonation. Once again, the dog broke eye contact and tried to figure out where my sister was hiding a cat. The instructor, feeling incredibly humiliated and ashamed that her dog had failed the most basic command of not breaking eye contact, took her dog outside the store and shot him point blank so that Wiener Schnitzel never broke eye contact ever again. Okay, I made that last part up, but I wouldn't have wanted to be that dog when he got home after class. Fifteen years later, when I asked my sister about that incident, she said, Yeah, I still feel a little bad I did that. The instructor then had us practice the watch trick with our dogs. No matter how much we tried to get Georgie's attention, she had no idea why we were holding treats up next to our eyes, and really didn't care. All that week, my family worked on the watch trick with Georgie. For the most part, she looked at us questioningly. We counted that as a success. For the next class, Georgie had to learn a trick that was, according to the instructor, the easiest command for a dog to learn. Sitting. We had high hopes for Georgie's ability to comprehend this task, since sitting isn't that difficult. I'm already sitting more than I stand these days. The instructor said, to teach your dog how to sit, you simply have to hold up a tree in front of your dog's face, and while they're watching the tree, you move your hand over the back of their head. In order for dogs to keep their eyes on the dog candy, they have to sit down. Easy as B-I-N-G-O was his name-o. Then, when our dogs did the trick, we would reward them with the aforementioned treat, positive reinforcement. Although Georgie was able to pick up watch somewhat easily, she had a hard time mastering sitting. She only seemed to have a vague idea that we were waving our hands over her head and had no idea why we were doing it. All she wanted to do in class was go sniff other dogs' butts. After a while, I felt bad that Georgie wasn't earning any treats and so I tossed a few to her. Most of the time she missed the treat altogether and let it stay on the floor until eventually some other dog who was paying attention got it. Puppies that were only a few months old were sitting like they had already been sitting their entire lives. It was embarrassing how little Georgie sat down. We were supposed to go home and work on these two tricks all week so that when we returned to class, our dogs would sit on command while they were being walked on a leash. But when the next lesson rolled round, Georgie was only a little bit better. During this lesson, the instructor told us that if Georgie wasn't paying attention to the sit command, we should pull up on her leash, lifting her front paws off the ground until she did what we wanted. The reasoning behind this was that by pulling her leash that way, she would naturally sit and would quickly learn what we wanted her to do. Unfortunately, quickly and learn weren't words that would ever describe our dog. At the end of the lesson, the instructor had the entire class walk in a line around the PetSmart. Every few seconds she gave the command to sit, and keep in mind, this was in full view of all the shoppers. While everyone else marched through the aisle showcasing their dog's talents, I had to keep pulling on Georgie's leash so that it looked like I was trying to hang my dog like a piñata. After that, our family went to the other classes, but we didn't attempt many of the more complicated tricks. While the other dogs learned to lie down, roll over and heal, we learned to have low expectations. Another thing the instructor told us to do was to get a choke collar. This was supposed to naturally teach dogs not to pull on their leashes because when they did, their collar tightened uncomfortably. 
that probably worked for most dogs. Any time we were out walking with Georgie and she saw a cat, she would nearly strangle herself pulling on the leash. Every single time. Georgie had an insistent mistrust of cats, which she really shouldn't have had since she was raised in the household that had two indoor cats and three feral cats who had set up camp in their backyard. You would have thought that Georgie would have even appreciated having the cats around since she was always eating their leftover cat food. Cat food may possibly taste better than dog food, but I'm not willing to test out this hypothesis. Maybe Georgie just wanted to eat the cat's food to be spiteful. Georgie never learned to do any cool tricks like catch a frisbee, but she eventually did learn to sit. In fact, we drilled that trick into her so thoroughly that she seemed to believe she would only get treats if she was sitting. She probably never understood why we so fervently wanted her to sit, but whatever. At least she knew one trick. And fortunately, none of us ever fell down a well, so she never had to go for help. Georgie was still a great dog and a big part of my childhood. All those training sessions did teach me something important. Someone doesn't have to be really smart for you to love them. They just have to love you back. And that's the end of that for now. I hope you enjoyed it. Alright, bye for now.